Welcome to a fantastic word from Pastor Marcus Dunham, an associate pastor here at Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We are so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Well, listen, guys, are y'all ready to jump into the word? Amen. Let's do it. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 1 today. And uh, the title of our message this morning is What God Wants You to Know. What God Wants You to Know. Man, I just love the book of Ephesians, man. You know, it really is my favorite book personally for me to, to study, I guess. I, I just love it. It's so rich with truth and doctrine. and theology. I mean, it, it, it's, just, it's just so much. I've always enjoyed it. I still enjoy it. And so uh, we're going to be getting a lot here. But before we get to our passage of Scripture, I wanted just to kind of give a little background for anybody who's not aware um, of what's happening in this book. Uh, Paul is currently, when he wrote this letter, he was in prison. He was in prison in Rome awaiting the verdict of what would be his eventual release. Paul ended up in prison a lot for preaching the gospel, and this was one of those times. And uh, during this time, he would write a few letters ones that we find in the New Testament, one of them being to the church in Colossae, and of course, that's the book of Colossians. Another one to the book, I'm sorry, to the church in Philippi, which is what we know as the book of Philippians, and then also one to the church of Ephesus, which is what we are going to be reading out of today, the book of Ephesians. And there are some other ones that, that, are, that, that we consider that he might have written as well, but uh, he wrote this while he was in Roman prison. And Paul planted the church in Ephesus during his second missionary journey. And he made a stop there for, he made a short stop. And while he was there, uh, you know, people got saved, radically changed, and they planted a church. And then two years later, on his third missionary journey, he came back. And this was in AD 54 through 56. And he spent about two to three years teaching, ministering to the believers there in Ephesus. And uh, Acts 18 and 19 gives us a really strong account of what that looked like. It's a great, you know, it's a great read if you'd like to. Um, but during that time, he helped the believers to grow in their faith. He helped nurture them in the time that he was there. But then eventually, of course, he had to move on to his next assignment. Well, 10 years later is where we find Paul in prison writing this letter. And he wrote this letter after receiving a report about the church that he had planted 10 years before. And he is excited to hear the report that he gets. It's a great report about them. And that's where this letter comes out of. And so uh, he begins in, uh, in Ephesians chapter 1. Of course, he introduces himself, but uh, he, he starts off by praising God. And he begins uh, in verse 3 this beautiful, poetic-type praise to God and says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And from there, he began to let them know and letting us know all the blessings that we have in Christ through God the Father, the blessings that we have from God the Father, which he 
set us aside and set us apart for salvation. Then he lets us know the blessings that we have in God the Son, who's Jesus Christ, that we've been placed in him and that he has saved us and set us in, in, yeah, that he saved us. And then thirdly, the blessings that we have in God the Holy Spirit, that he has come to live on the inside of us and is our promise for our salvation. And so uh, it's a great read. It's a thick read, but it's, it, it's good. And uh, we pick up in verse 15, okay? So from verse 13 to verse 14, he lists out all those things, and, we, and, and where we're going to pick up today is in verse 15. So let's go ahead and jump to it. Uh, verse 15, Paul says this, For this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, Again, he heard a good report. He received this good report, and he says that what I heard is your faithfulness to Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. I thought that was interesting. For some reason, it stuck out to me that, that Paul heard specifically what he, was, what he heard of and what he wanted to note is the love that these Christians had for Jesus and the love that they have for each other. And man, I just, I, I just, you know, thought about today and I thought, man, wouldn't it be cool if when people thought about us, that when people recognized, uh, recognized us, that they would recognize our love for Jesus and our love for one another. You know, let's just imagine what that would look like. You know, when, when people would recognize how much we love Jesus and how much we love one another. I would imagine that people would not only want what we want, but would be amazed that it clearly, he, it was enough for him to credit them. And that is my prayer that today that God, or, 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 or that people would recognize in us a genuine faith in Jesus. That we're faithful with him, that no matter what happens, that we're going to continue to trust in him and no, no matter what. Amen and that we're going to love one another. We're going to look over each other's faults. We're not going to point to just the small little things, but we're going to love each other as Christ loved us. Amen? Amen. That's our prayer. Amen? Well, so that's, that's what Paul points out. And so, and so continue on. Because I've heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and the love toward all the saints, he says in verse 16, because of this, I do not cease to give thanks for you. I continue to thank God for you. And he says that remembering you in my prayers, I thank God for you. And then he says that I begin to pray for you. That on hearing of your faithfulness in Jesus and hearing of your love for all the saints and, for, and that you have for one another, his response is, I just thank God for you and I pray for you. And the prayer, he tells us the prayer that he prays in verse 17, is that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation. What in the world is that? <laughs> I, I, you know, every time, you know, it's so easy for, you know, for us to just brush over this, but he's praying this prayer that this is the prayer he's praying for faithful Christians He's praying that God would give them spiritual wisdom and revelation. Well, what is that? Well, wisdom, a Greek word which is Sophia, means insight 
that cannot be obtained naturally. It's not wisdom that we get that we, that we naturally get as we grow older and we get wiser in life. This is one that we can't gain in life. He's saying that this is something that only God can give. And then he also says similarly, revelation, which is the Greek word apocalypsis, which is something that was hidden is now suddenly revealed. Something that we did not see and could not see is now revealed. So he's praying for spiritual insight that only comes from God that we can see that there was no other way that we could see unless God showed us in the first place. And I found this interesting because he's praying this prayer for faithful Christians. In other words, he's praying this prayer for us that we, that God would give us spiritual insight that only God can give, that when we receive it, that we see something that we would have never seen if God wouldn't have given it to us. Man, it's something that I want. And what was this wisdom and revelation for? As the NIV says, that, that God would give you spiritual wisdom and insight so that you would know God better. Oh, Man, these are believers he's talking to, faithful Christians. And his prayer is that God would give them spiritual insight so they would know God even better. Man, that's a prayer I want for my life, that I would know God more. You know, I think at times we can come to a point where we, where we think we, we've got a good understanding of who God is. But what Paul's saying here is that there is a deeper, not necessarily that there's more, but there's a deeper Knowledge that he wants us to know, and not just a head knowledge, but a heart knowledge that we get closer to God, that, that there is more that God wants for us to know. And that is another prayer of mine, that I would know God better. It, how many of us would want to know God better? How many of us want to know God more than we know him now? I don't want to know him less. I want to know him more. And he continues, he says, specifically that he would know God better and that he would know Jesus better. Before I, before I, before I continue, uh, uh, one of the things that we get here is that we understand that at the end of the day, our faith begins and ends with Jesus. That we would know Jesus better. At the end of the day, it's all about Jesus, right? It's all about him. At the end of the day, our faith is centered on him. The entire Bible is all about Jesus. It's all about him. And it's amazing for us to know that we can know more about Jesus in our life. I want that. Well, he continues in verse 18. He's continuing just saying in another way, saying, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. Having the eyes of your hearts enlightened. In other words, he's saying, that God would give you spiritual eyes to see what we could not see before. He's given us spiritual eyes to see what, is, what, we, what, what was hidden from us, okay? It's, it's spiritual eyes that, for us to be able to see and perceive what we would not have been able to understand in God unless God would show it to us. You know, it makes me think of my daughter, Nora. She is about to turn two, and she was born a week before the pandemic. And so, 
uh, you can imagine what the first eight months of her life was basically the four, you know, you, you know, the walls of our church, I'm sorry, the walls of our house. And, uh, you know, in our living room, you know, we have this window. And on the other side of that window is our backyard. And in our backyard, we have, uh, you know, a big old tree, and we have a big old dirty uh, a trampoline that the girls jump on all the time. And, you know, all that stuff was there, but of course, Nora never knew it was there because, there, you know, there's blinds and curtains covering it. And I remember, you know, it was a beautiful day outside, and so we went ahead and we opened up the blinds and we, and we pulled back the curtains, and all of a sudden the sun became beaming through, and Nora was like, her eyes went to the window, and all of a sudden she's crawling over there, so we pick her up and let her look, and the sun is beaming all in her face, so she's like, you know, she's experiencing this thing that she's never experienced, and all of a sudden she realized it was a whole new world. Excuse me, Melinda, that was terrible singing. <laughs> Awful. But it was this whole new world for her. And she got to see the birds flying around, and she saw the trees, and she could see the dead grass, you know, growing back. And, you know, she could see all the things in her backyard. But what she was seeing wasn't new. It had always been there. It was just hidden behind the blinds and the curtains. But whenever those curtains opened up and those blinds opened up, she saw what she could not see until it was opened up. And that is what Paul is talking about. That's a picture. That's what I saw when I read this, that Paul or that God is wanting to open up for us to see and for us to know something that we would have never known. And Paul begins to tell us what God is wanting us to know. He lists out three things that God wants us to know, that God wants us to see. And we find it here in verse 18, having the eyes of your heart enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, that you would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. In verse 19, that you would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe According to, the great, according to the working of his great might. So what is it that God wants us to know? He has it right here. We're going to take these one at a time. So number one, what God wants us to know is the hope of his calling. The hope of his calling. Again, I looked into the Greek about the word hope, and it's the word elpis, which means favorable and confident expectation concerning the future. It's a favorable and confident expectation that I am confident about the expectation of my future. I'm confident about what I'm, uh, 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 about what is coming to me. And not only am I confident about it, but it's favorable. It's for me. It's, it's going to benefit me. It's on my side. Or in other words, a confident insurance. Paul here is praying that these Christians would be confident of their assurance in God's calling. Or in other words, he is praying that they would be sure of their salvation. Man, I'm so thankful, man, for when I was... 16 years old, I was 15 years old, that this young woman in my, 
in my neighborhood would always invite me to church when she was walking her dog in the morning at like 6.30 in the morning. Who does it? I don't know. But she used to do it all the time. And she would always invite us to church. And uh, I would always say, no, you know, no, no, no. Well, eventually I said yes. And uh, I only went to this church because she mentioned that they had basketball. So, of course, I was going. And then they were going to summer camp. And I wasn't interested until they said that there was going to be a basketball tournament. And I was like, well, let's go. And so I started to raise the money, and I went to camp. And, man, I'm so thankful for Pastor Adam McCain. You know, he, he preached this message, and I heard about Jesus. But at that moment, it was that I realized that I needed Jesus. And, I, and I'd heard about him before, but it became real to me. And that day, I remember going to the front of that room, bowing on my knees before God, and I prayed that prayer, and I just knew that God, when I opened up my eyes and I stood up, that God had changed something in me, and I was born again. And I, I, couldn't, I couldn't word it. I couldn't explain to you. I couldn't explain what was going on. I had this weird, warm feeling, but all I knew was that I, it, was, it was new. And as I began to grow up in youth group and as I began to walk out my faith, eventually I became so sure of my salvation, I knew, and it was because of what Jesus, it was because of Jesus in me. I wasn't changing my life to be like Jesus. Jesus came in and changed me. Amen? Anybody know what that's like when Jesus comes inside of you and transforms you? Amen? It's something that we can't explain, but it's only something that he can do. But what he was saying is that, this confident assurance keeps us from second-guessing our future with Christ. That we know what is coming for us. That we know what God has for us. That we know that there is something, a hope, that we can hold on to. You know, uh, I keep telling stories about my daughters, but it's a, listen, I'm a father. Y- y'all got me, right? Listen, y'all got me, all right? I'm a father. And I remember, you know, uh, it wasn't too long ago, uh, I told uh, my daughters, hey, listen, after school, uh, when I pick you up, I'm going to take you out to Dairy Queen. <laughs> yeah! You know, they, you know, they yell, but of course they use these screams that are piercing to my ears. And uh, so anyways, um, I went to, you know, they were all excited, they were all getting ready. And I went to go pick them up from school, and when I picked them up, they were like, hey, Daddy, I was telling our friends, I was telling my friend Abigail, and I was telling this person and that person that we're going to Dairy Queen. And, you know, they were talking about all the different toppings. They were talking about, you know, am I going to get chocolate? Am I going to get sprinkles? Am I going to get strawberries? Am I going to get bananas? You know, am I going to get a cone? Am I going to get a cup? And, you know, they were just thinking about all the things they were preparing for what they were going to get. Because they, they knew after school they were going to Dairy Queen. And, man, you could see their faces when they got that ice cream. But, man, I just thought back about that. I thought, man, that is so interesting. Because the hope that they had about getting ice cream affected their entire day. Their entire day, they were thinking about what topics they were going to get. They were telling people about the ice cream they were going to get. And so much so, it impacted how they were preparing for that moment. And you know what? I believe that that's the purpose of hope, that the purpose of hope for the future is to transform how we live in the present. The purpose for hope of our future is to transform how we live in the present. When I'm sure of my future, it gives me purpose for my today, that I know 
what I have coming to me. I know that I will be saved. I know I'm struggling to make sure I continue to walk this faith and follow Jesus, but one day he's going to save my soul all the way, and I'm going to be good. And he gives me promises upon promises upon promises that it's going to come true. It gives me purpose for my today. And it reminds me of Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. It compels us. It says this, that he said, Paul encourages to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. That when we know our hope, we know what our future is, it compels us to walk in a manner worthy of that calling, worthy of that hope, which begs us to ask ourselves these questions. Number one, am I sure of my salvation? I want to be sure of it. We should be sure of it. And today, if you're not sure, you're going to get an opportunity to be sure. Those of you watching online, you will have that chance. But if we are sure of our salvation, the second question is like it. Are we walking in a manner worthy of God's calling? God wants us to see our future, to see our future in light of today, that it impacts today. Amen? Amen, amen. Well, that's point number one. And so, and then he moves on to a second thing that God wants us to know, and it it is the riches of his inheritance. Let me read that verse, verse 18, that you would know what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? Now, this one was really interesting. I got hung up on the wording of this verse. You know, it's really interesting. He says, what are the riches of his glory, glorious inheritance in the saints? So I found myself wondering, okay, you know, is this referring to the inheritance that God has for us? Or is this an inheritance that God has in us? Is it God's inheritance for me? Or is it God's inheritance that He has in us? And I, mean, I was going back and forth, you know, you know is, it, is it our treasure in God or is it God's treasure in us? And I began to think about it and I began to pray about it. And I was, I was looking over commentary. I spent so much time going back and forth, making sure that, I, that I'm delivering the right message. And it, and it dawned on me. It's both. It's two sides to the same coin. That on one hand, we are treasured by God as his special possession. That is just crazy that God treasures me as his possession. It's something that we see in the Old Testament that that Israel, God claimed as his own possession. And in the same way, God looks at the body of Christ. He looks at the body of believers and he looks at you. He looks at me and he says that you are my possession. You are my treasure. And that I love because God protects his treasures, right? He protects what, what belongs to him, amen? It brings us some security there. And it reminds us that you and I are special to God. You know, sometimes we can walk around thinking that we are less than that. 
But God wants to remind us and tell us that we are special to Him. We are valuable to Him because we belong to Him. Amen? Amen. But on the other side of the coin, the opposite is true. That there are riches that God is storing up for us, and it's riches upon riches upon riches that we have in Christ that are worth far more than anything that we give up in this world to follow Jesus. Come on, somebody. Come on. The riches that God has for us are worth way more than anything we have to give up in order for us to follow Jesus. And this truth, I believe, would have really resonated with some of the Christians in this church in Ephesus. Because when you read in Acts 18, uh, you know, it talks about how the gospel was transforming people in Ephesus so much so that there were people who invested their life into what the Bible calls magical arts, trying to control demons. And they used books. They, you could buy documents. You can buy uh, ringlets. You can buy wristlets. You can buy necklaces and, and, and all different types of things that were used to try to conjure up this thing of magic. And it was so popular. And people, it says that in, in Acts 19, 8 through 18 through 20, it talks about how they literally took all those things and threw them into a giant pile and they lit it on fire in front of everybody. And so that people would know, I am getting rid of this out of my life and I'm following Jesus. Now it's a big deal because the Bible tells us that it amounted to what today would be over it would be over a million dollars. I mean, that's a lot of stuff. That's a lot of money. And they were, they, were, they were giving up more than just stuff. It was their income. It was their livelihood. Everything they based it around. And yet, they threw it away to follow Jesus. And Paul was wanting them to know that what they gave up pales in comparison to the riches that they had in Christ. And God wants us to know that we have riches upon riches upon riches that are greater than anything that we, can, that, that we have given up, that we are laying aside today in order to follow Him. It is worth it. As Philippians 3.13 says, he says that we must forget what lies behind and reach forward to what lies ahead, which is the prize of Jesus Christ his calling. Let us not give any value to our old way of life. Let us not give value or to give any merit of thought to our former life, but let's leave it in the past. Let's leave it behind. Let's leave it where it belongs, and let us continue to keep our eyes focused ahead and to follow Jesus. Let us reach forward to the future inheritance that we have in Christ. One more scripture First uh, Peter chapter 1, verse 3 tells us that according to, the, to His great mercy, He caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ of the dead to an inheritance. And this is what He says about that inheritance, that it is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed for the last time. 
That inheritance and the riches that we have in Jesus, God is protecting. He is guarding. And he says that we will not lose interest. We will not lose it. It won't, nothing will happen to it. If anything, it's only going to gain more interest so that when we get to heaven, that we gain an inheritance walking into all that God has for us. Amen? God is protecting your inheritance in heaven and waiting for the day that we'll retrieve it. And that was the second thing. And then we're going to move on to our third and last point. He says that we would know the greatness of his power. Verse 19, what is, that we would know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. You know, I, I just find it so interesting the way that he describes this. He describes it as an immeasurable greatness of power. You know, power today is measured by money, is measured by position, by status, control, strength, in many other ways. And it's a way that we can measure power in somebody's life. But Paul here is saying that's not how we measure the power of God. That it is measured, as, as Paul mentions, by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what he says here, I find it so interesting. He says that it's immeasurable. That God's power is immeasurable. That it can't be measured. It's impossible to measure the power of God that he has and that he makes available to us. I find that so interesting for me to think about, like, you know, uh, you know, when we think about, uh, you know, every night, you know, I find myself thinking about our universe, and I'm not a huge science guy, you know, I'm, uh, you know, I, I wasn't great in science only because I, you know, miss one day, and once you miss a day in science, it's over, you know, <laughs> I mean, you're, I mean, you're done for, and, um, and so I was always behind, but I just find it so interesting how God created the universe, and he did so in such a mighty, powerful way that the stars and the planets, the way that we, you know, you know the way that they circulate, uh, uh, you know, in our, uh, in, in, excuse me, in our solar system, couldn't get that out, and the stars and the galaxies, and you think about how big our universe is, and then you find out that our universe, or that our galaxy, the one that we live in, is so small compared to how large the universe is. And you, you go from universe to universe, and you, or galaxy to galaxy, and you look at stars and stars, and you look at all this, and you think about how much power it took to create that. And God did it just by saying, let there be light. That's power. You know, or to think about how, how amazing our bodies are. Biology, another one. I missed a class. <laughs> missed a class. I was done. But man, it's so interesting to imagine the anatomy of our bodies, how uh, Melinda and I were just looking at the spleen the other day. 
and imagining the function of the spleen and how important it is and what it does in our body. And it's just amazing how our body just knows to respond to itself. And, and you can just think about all these things and just, just imagine how much power it takes to create that. And God just did it like that. That is amazing power. And that power that we're talking about, that we're talking about right there, it says that that is just, that is nothing com- in, in comparison to what he has available to us. It's an immeasurable power, a never-ending power that he has available to us. And it is an, an enabling power is what it is. This power enables us to do what it is that God is calling us to do. For us to do what God is wanting for us to do, he gives us power to be able to do it. It's his power that enables us to be saved. Romans chapter 3, verse, Romans chapter, Romans 116, excuse me, that I am unashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God into salvation. It is his power that enables us to be used by God. It's his power that enables us to be strong in times of weakness. Paul knew a lot about this, that in his weakness, he learned that God's strength is made perfect in our weakness, in our times where we don't feel strong, in the areas of life where we don't feel strong is an opportunity for his power to be made perfect because he enables us to do what we can't, right? Amen? It is his power that enables us to have hope in times of doubt. His power that enables us to persevere through suffering. His power that enables us to be patient in joy through trial. It's his power that enables us to do what God calls us to do. Man, I, I heard it once said that, that what God is calling us to do, we, we aren't qualified to do. But it's okay because he qualifies you for the call. He gives you the power, the ability to do what he has set out to do. And whenever we just step out and say, as Pastor Vaughn said this morning, that we pray and obey, he gives us the power to do what he's called us to do. Thank God. <laughs> Man, because we could not do it. I, I, you know, Jesus doesn't just save us and then just leave us and say, hey, listen, uh, go into all the world and preach the gospel. He started off by saying, all power has been given unto me. Now go and preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize them in my name. And then he finishes, because I am with you always. He's the one with the power. And he is with us. Amen. We can do all that God has called us to do. We can do the very things that we are afraid to do. God gives us the power to do it. Amen. 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 So understanding what God wants us to know, that we would know the hope of his calling, that we would know the, uh, that we would know the riches of his inheritance, and that we would know the greatness of his power, a few things that we can take away. Number one is to walk, worthy, to walk in a manner worthy of God's calling. 
for us to look at our life and for us to make sure that we are walking in a way that glorifies God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, I'll read again. I, therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. If anyone had any right to say this, it's Paul. He was in prison because he was preaching the gospel. But he lived his life in a way, and he was consumed by living in a way that would be worthy enough that he would hear one day, well done, my good and faithful servant. And that is what I want to hear. That is what we all want to hear, that well done, good and faithful servant. And as I said before, the purpose for hope of our future is to transform how we live in the present. We must ask ourselves, how am I living for God? What do I need to change in my life? How can I walk in a way that is worthy of what God is calling me to? Again, as Pastor Vaughn says, we must simply pray and obey. Pray and obey. By keeping our eyes on the future of our eternal salvation, it allows us to re-examine our lives in the proper perspective that one day we will be saved, but until today, I'm going to live for Jesus. Amen? Amen? Let us allow the perspective of our future hope to affect the way we live our lives today. That's number one. Secondly, what we can take away is to follow Jesus and to never look back. To continue to follow Jesus. And you know, every now and then that temptation comes. Every now and then we get reminded. Every now and then that fear wants to creep in. Every now and then our past wants to, wants to creep back up. But Paul, as he says, that we must keep our eyes on the future prize and that we have to let what was behind us stay behind us because what we're running to is way more worth than what was in the past. If we know what we are running to, then we have no need to question what we left behind, right? The riches that we have in Christ Jesus are far greater than anything we left behind in order to follow him. The prize we are racing for is worth it. So don't look back. Philippians chapter 3, verse 7 through 8 uh, says, But whatever gain I had, Paul had a lot of reason. He had a lot that he had gained, a lot. A lot of things that he did that were well noted in, in the world that he lived in. And yet he says, everything, whatever gain I had, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Verse 8, indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ, Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have suffered the, loss, suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish, as trash, in order that I may gain Christ. The things that were in the past, the things that were in my former life that I found to, that I was proud of at one day, man, listen, those things don't matter. Those things, it is nothing because what Jesus has for me is far greater. Let us consider the things that were once as loss. In compar- Let's consider the things that were, that were as lost in comparison to what we will gain in Christ. And then number three, let us allow God's power to enable us 
to do what God has called us to do. God has called us, and we can do it, not on our own, but by the power that He makes available to us. And I, and I love the mystery, I love the truth, the mystery that was held in, that was hidden for all the Old Testament until Jesus was revealed, and that is Christ in us. Amen? Amen. That is Christ in us. That is the hope of glory. That is the mystery, is Jesus in us, and He has the power. He is with us, and that whatever He has called us to do, He is always with us, and He's given us the power to do it. Whether it is parenting, our, whether it's being a mother, being a father, whether it's being a husband or a wife, whether it, whether it is uh, loving the people that God has placed under us and leading them to Jesus, whatever it is, whatever it is that, that God has called us to do, He gives us the power and the ability to do it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Well, listen, we're going to pray here in just a minute, but um, we're going to pray that God would, we're going to pray this prayer over our life, that, that God would help us to walk in these things, that we would know the hope of His calling, that we, would, that we would know the riches of His inheritance, and also that we would know the greatness of the power of God in our life. But we're also going to pray an extra prayer, that if you're watching online, if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, I would love for you to have that opportunity. The Bible tells us that God loved us so much that He gave His one and only Son that if we believe in Him, that we will not perish but have everlasting life. I want to give you an opportunity to pray that prayer. If you're here today, let's bow our head and close our eyes. We're going to pray together. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor Marcus, I need Jesus and I would like to be saved. I want to know the hope of Jesus, and I want that in my life. If that is you, we're going to pray this prayer together. And if you're here and you know that you would like to receive Jesus today, we're going to pray this prayer together as a family. Everybody say, Jesus. Say it like you believe it. Say, Jesus. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for sending Jesus to die for me. And I open up my heart, and I ask you to come into my life that I would be saved. Help me to follow you and help me to do what you have called me to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks again for joining us for this incredible word from Pastor Marcus Dunham. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastors and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.